welcome to this episode of our Construction Law Back to Basics NEC Contract Podcast, a series of podcasts by Stevens and Bolton's construction and engineering team designed to provide listeners with an overview of the construction industry standard form NEC contract. I'm Tom O'Dell, a trainee solicitor at Stevens and Bolton. I'm joined today by Gwillem Evans, senior associate. This is the fourth episode of our second series of Back to Basics podcast. In the previous episode, our colleagues Claire Perry and Johnny Farrell looked at managing compensation events. In this episode, we'll be discussing the payment process and final account mechanics for NEC contracts. The NEC4 Engineering and Construction Contract, or NEC4, contains several primary clauses called main options, that's with a capital M and a capital O, for how to price and pay for the work. For the contract to function, the parties must pick one of the main options to apply. There are also several secondary option clauses which allow for any potential requirements such as advance payment or retention. These are more situational, so we don't intend to discuss them in detail today, but whichever main option is selected, the NEC contains core payment provisions at Section 5, which are common across all NEC contracts. So, Willem, start things off and tell us, that, tell us about interim payment. Thanks, Tom. So uh, it's important to recall that, as with most construction contracts in uh, England and Wales, the provisions of the Construction Act will apply regardless of the written terms, providing they apply. How and when the statutory provisions will apply has been covered in other podcasts, and there are volumes of information about the Act available in textbooks and on the internet, including our own website. The NEC suite of contracts being authored with the UK market in mind is naturally designed to be compliant with the Act, as well as uh, adopting many accepted principles of English construction law. For example, there is a specific optional clause, option Y, brackets UK, close brackets 2, which immediately makes the payment terms compliant uh, with uh, the Construction Act if they are selected to apply. Uh, an obvious example of NEC being compliant with uh, uh, standard or common uh, construction principles is that it provides for interim or periodic payments and uh, whichever way you prefer to refer to those. And the process to follow for these payments is found in the section five we mentioned previously. Uh, now in the contract data, which again, the parties fill in when they're preparing the contract, there will be an entry for an assessment interval. The interval sets out how frequently the interim assessments and correspondingly the payments will take place. Uh, a monthly schedule is by far the most common interval, uh, but it can, of course, vary dramatically depending on the wishes of the parties. The project manager, who we've discussed about in previous uh, podcasts, is required to assess the amount due to the contractor at each of the assessment dates. And just to note that the first assessment date is often decided upon by the project manager. Uh, if not specified by the parties, uh, provided that the project manager doesn't wait for longer than the start date that is allowed as the uh, assessment interval. So, for example, if the assessment interval says four weeks, then the first assessment date cannot be later than four weeks from the start date. And payments will then be assessed every four weeks onwards from there. So, Tom, back to you. Can you take us through what happens in the run up to one of these assessment dates? Absolutely. So under an unamended NEC, the amount due to the contractor at each assessment date is price as stated in the contract for the work done to date, plus any other amounts to be paid to the contractor, for example, a compensation event, and then minus any amounts which are to be paid by the contractor or retained from it, for example, delay damages. As with most contracts, the payments are to be made at each interval and will be the difference between the amount due and the sum paid in the previous assessment. 
the project manager certifies the relevant payment within one week of the assessment date, including details of how the amount has been assessed. Under the NEC4, the contractor is required to make an application for payment before each assessment date, stating the amount that it considers to be due and details of how that sum has been calculated. The scope will normally state the form in which the application should be in. Whether the project manager's assessment is final and binding, or instead can be corrected at a later date, even by the same project manager, is a question that has been taken to the courts on a number of occasions. And the consistent answer has been that it is not final. And in our view, that's entirely consistent with the other provisions in NEC, such as the obligation on the project manager to make correction, which we'll come on to later. Although worth noting, sorry for inter interrupting, that uh, in one case before the Scottish Court of Session, it was stated that the project manager's assessment should not be ignored in any dispute over the correct amount due, uh, and that it's for the party who's challenging the sum previously certified who bears the burden of proving that the previous assessment was incorrect. Uh, and amusingly, that will lead to situations where a project manager is potentially having to undermine their own previous work by stating that effectively they got it wrong before. Although one can imagine that in those situations, it's likely the project manager will be arguing that new information has come to light, which has revealed why the previous uh, overvaluation took place. Uh, sorry to interrupt, back to you, Tom. No worries. Payment is to be satisfied within three weeks of the assessment date or within any other such period as stated in the contract data. After this, interest will begin to accrue. Where the Construction Act applies and option Y UK 2 is therefore selected, several additional provisions apply in order for the contract to comply with the requirements of the Act. The defined due date as required by the Act is seven days after the assessment date. The date on which the final payment, that is the very last payment under the contract, not the final date for an interim payment, becomes due is five weeks after issue of the defect certificate, where the project manager makes an assessment after the issue of that certificate, or one week after the contractor makes its assessment. That's where the project manager has not made such an assessment after issue of the defect certificate. Alternatively, if the project manager has issued a termination certificate, the last due date is 14 weeks after the issue of that certificate. The final date for payment of any sum is 14 days after the date on which payment becomes due, unless the parties state another period in the contract data. And any pay less notice must be served no less than seven days before the final date for payment. Thanks, Tom. So some of those timeframes might be familiar to people. Others um, might be used to working on a different uh, timeframes. But the, the lesson there is always to check the contract, just make sure you've got the key dates diarised. Um, so having just gone through what would be the default approach for payments in the majority of NEC contracts, uh, some of you might be thinking that it's broadly in line with what most other con standard form construction contracts do. But there are some key differences that do take people by surprise if they're not used to using the NEC contracts. And first and foremost to me is that the NEC 4 provides that where the change in the amount due to the contractor reduces the overall amount, i.e. the result of the assessment is a negative sum due from the contractor back to the employer because potentially there was an overassessment in the previous interval, then in fact an interim payment has to be made from the contractor back to the client. This requirement really differentiates NEC from several other standard form contracts and JCT comes to mind here because the payment mechanisms in the JCT forms of contract do not provide for sums to be paid from the contractor 
back to the employer at the interim stage, uh, only at the final account stage. So in this situation, uh, the employer under JCD contract, if they wish to recover the sum due to an overpayment made to the contractor during the interval stages, um, possibly because they've themselves been the subject of uh, what we call the smash and grab adjudication, then the employer is going to have to go to an adjudication themselves or even potentially court proceedings to get a decision as to what is the true value of the sums due to the contractor in order to rectify that overpayment. Under the NEC contract, the contractor is actually obliged to repay the amount if the uh, project manager certifies in the following month that actually that's what should happen. Um, then the tables are, are uh, sorry are reversed because it's the contractor who now has an option to issue a payless notice back to the employer, which is a very unusual position that most contractors don't find themselves in, and they sometimes miss out on this because they're not expecting it to go back against the employer. Um, and then even if they do, the parties might still end up in the same position ultimately, which is where they need to go to adjudication to uh, get a determination as to what sum should actually be paid if basically both parties are, are arguing over it still. Another feature just to note about the NEC standard uh, contract is that the project manager can withhold up to 25% of payments due to the contractor if the contractor has not submitted the first program uh, that is required under the contract. And uh, to be fair, this type of clause is one uh, we see increasingly in bespoke amendments where if the uh, contractor has not provided the program or fails to keep the program updated, the employer can uh, withhold some payments, but that's naturally built into the NEC. Uh, so, um, having covered some of those distinct elements, Tom, just to bring this uh, to a conclusion, shall we finish with uh, corrections and the final account? Yeah, so under the NEC contract, the project manager is required to correct any wrongly assessed amount due in a later payment certificate. The basis on which such corrections can be made is set out in clause 51.3 of the NEC 4, and the project manager must take care to follow it. Another feature to note is that NEC makes less of a distinction between an interim payment and the final payment. NEC 3, for example, did not contain any separate final account mechanics, which was apparently considered a weakness in the contract, as provisions specifically for final account have now been included in NEC 4. These are less detailed than the final account provisions one would find in the JCT contract and simply set out that the project manager will carry out an assessment of the final amount due and certify the final payment with details of how the amount due has been assessed no later than four weeks after issue of a defect certificate or 13 weeks after issue of a termination certificate. Final payment is made within three weeks of the assessment by default or any different period that is stated in the contract data. If the project manager fails to carry out the assessment on time, the contractor can issue its own assessment to the client. If the client accepts that, access, that assessment, the final payment is made within two weeks or different periods stated in the contract data. However, if that doesn't take place, then normally the parties will have to turn to the dispute resolution option, which we'll be covering in the next episode. Thanks, Tom. And uh, thank you to everyone for listening to us today. Uh, as just stated, our next episode, we'll be looking at some of the more challenging aspects of construction law, specifically defects, disputes, and terminations. 
so and you can find more information um, plus in all our previous episodes on the construction page at Stevens and Bolton's website. And if you have any questions about today's topic, please don't hesitate to get in touch with any members of the Stevens and Bolton construction engineering team. Um, thank you again and have a great day. <laughs>